we're still at the infancy. Not everybody's connecting yet to their soul. It's trying to. And then you'll get those meaningful connections and posts. Yes, of course, you have to do the marketing, your work, your business. That's all in there. But the balance will be different. The emphasis is different. And I think that's something that's really going to change with social media. And I can see other platforms and companies kind of recognizing that and kind of starting to, you know, already jump through some hoops to actualize this is people are going to want to use it differently. Welcome to the Art of Humanity. I'm your host, Jessica Ann. This is my podcast where you can listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and your favorite entrepreneurs. You can explore creativity and consciousness, evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome to this episode of The Art of Humanity, and sending a warm welcome to all of the new listeners who found me from the Dr. Jack Cruz episode. I'm so thrilled that you're here, and I so appreciate all of the positive reviews. Figaro on Apple wrote, Love your Jack Cruz podcast. Your understanding from all angles is commendable. Thank you for doing all that you do. You're going to be part of the Renaissance, so get ready. Thank you, Figaro, for that review. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google's Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and my personal preference is Overcast. Wherever you listen to your pods, find The Art of Humanity and give the show five stars. Reviews are pretty easy. It takes about five minutes, and I really appreciate it. Even better if you can copy the link and share it with two of your friends who you think would enjoy it. Out of deep respect, I did not publish an episode last Friday. I wanted to take time to pause, pass the mic, and listen. I live by my mission on the art of humanity to listen, explore, evolve. And it's funny because the guest I had scheduled to post that day, this episode, she's my good friend who just so happens to be Latino, who humbly reminded me that it's her voice we should be amplifying. I chose not to publish it because we didn't talk specifically about the state of America, and I wanted to respect and be mindful of the collective. With everything that I do, I try to see things from a high-level perspective, and this often can get misconstrued, especially on social media. And I didn't want to put my anti-racist sentiments on social media because it felt a bit icky to me. It felt like performative allyship. Instead, I feel the deep calling to speak in a more intimate medium here on my podcast. I am committed to sharing resources as a way to amplify the voices, stories, and teachings of Black people, which I'm aware makes me quote-unquote look good. I'm sharing not so much to virtue signal or to show performative allyship, but rather to bring accountability to the inner work. And I realize the irony of sharing my inner work on my public podcast This is an ongoing and most likely lifelong process. The world we live in today is that if somebody doesn't agree with you 100%, then it doesn't mean that they oppose you 100%, nor that they must believe the complete opposite of what you do. We are creating false dichotomies on everything, and instead, I'd rather explore a higher level perspective. Note that this episode with Michelle was recorded before the current unrest. I don't claim that I know more than you or that I'm smarter than you. I'm simply sharing my humble perspective, and we are all doing the best that we can. Many people are trying to show up perfect instead of showing up present, and I'm here imperfectly trying to show up, pausing and listening and doing the best that I can. 
And after some time to listen and explore, I was reminded of the episode that I did with Andrea Renee in episode 38. We discuss uncomfortable topics like the difference between othering and marginalization, steps to create a more just world, and how we can act from a place of integrity and purity without it being performative. I believe Black Lives Matter. At the same time, if we're not doing the deep work to peel back the layers of our humanity, posting a meme on your social media will only take us so far. This work is uncomfortable, and I highly recommend reading books and sitting with the discomfort. Such books like Me and White Supremacy and White Fragility are really good places to start, and I'll leave links to these books in the show notes. One way that the white supremacist system maintains itself is to not teach people how to speak about race, so it's no surprise that these conversations are uncomfortable. Aside from reading books, you may also want to consider the workshop called Resilience Through Apocalypse, which is hosted by Andrea Renee also the Show Up and Serve workshop by Trudy LeBron. And today, it's really not enough to be anti-racist. We need to contribute and model how we can get better together. We need to learn and stay together in a world that wants us divided. They want race wars, class wars, religious wars, political wars. And look, I'm not immune to the brainwashing that's happening on every level. We need to be aware of what's really going on behind the scenes. And while this is going on, I was reminded of this other book that I read at the very beginning of the quarantine. It's called Dispelling with Tico, and it's written by Paul Levy. It's about how there's a contagious psycho-spiritual disease of the soul, a parasite of the mind, that's currently being acted out en masse on the world stage via a collective psychosis of titanic proportions. This mind virus, which Native Americans have called Wetiko, covertly operates through the unconscious blind spots in the human psyche rendering people oblivious to their own madness and compelling them to act against their own best interests. Drawing on insights from Jungian psychology, shamanism, alchemy, spiritual wisdom traditions, and personal experience, author Paul Levy shows us that hidden within the venom of Wetiko is its own antidote, which once recognized can help us wake up and bring sanity back to our society. I'm sharing the details of this book because it was super helpful for me, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, to see how people direct their emotional energy toward whatever the media tells them to care about at any given time, to the exclusion of other events and issues. Now, I try not to jump on bandwagons, and I felt the deep need to pause and to listen, verse, post, and scream into the void. And I do want to reiterate that Black Lives Matter so that this is not misconstrued. Without getting too bogged down in this 3D perspective, I also believe in the higher power of consciousness through one of my teachers, Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote 101 Ways to Peace, and I'll share the very first four. Number one, let go of trying to change and control others. Let go of wanting to get even. Let go of wanting to be right and make others quote-unquote wrong. Number four, practice discernment rather than judgmentalism. In a world where everyone seems to judge the other, over a statement, whether you're adequately informed or not, it's also okay to pause and to listen so that you can explore your own psyche to make sure that you're not part of the next PSYOP. What is a PSYOP, you may ask? PSYOP is short for psychological operations, which conveys selected information and indicators to audiences to influence their emotions, motives, and objective reasoning, and ultimately the behavior of governments, organizations, groups, and individuals. The book Dispelling with Tico talks about this from a high level, I won't get into it too much here, but I'll leave the link to the book in the show notes. So let's get to the main event. Today's guest aligns with my mission for this higher consciousness, Michelle Mache. 
Let's go to the show. Welcome to The Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Today, I'm so thrilled to be joined by my good friend and colleague, Michelle Mache. Michelle is an artist, guide, creator, and self-proclaimed techie, has worked with thousands of people nationally and internationally to inspire and teach them the tools to live more fulfilled and prosperous lives. She works with her clients to connect more deeply with their own inner knowing in order for them to make empowered and soul-expressed decisions. The author of Meditation for Everyday Living, Five-Step Emotional Clearing, Transforming Fear into Creativity, among other books and CDs, the host and executive producer of Awakenings Podcast, a transpersonal therapist, a hypnotherapist, an intuitive life and relationship coach, a fellow of the National Board for Hypnotherapy, and a hypnotic anesthesiologist, as well as a member of transpersonal psychology. She is a constant student of life and the mystery of all that is. Michelle has extensive experience in television and media, and as a spiritual techie, she understands where spirituality meets technology and how technology is moving spirituality to the next level. Wow, what a bio. Michelle, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Ah, it's great to be here. And that's why I am a constant student, not just teacher. So when I have interest in something, I dive in. Amen. That's why we both get along so well. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, we've been so nerding out over consciousness and technology, and you've just been such a great friend to me. We first met at the 140 conference back in LA. Thanks to our mutual friend, Jeff Pulver. For those of you who aren't aware of this conference, it is held in multiple cities. And we met at the one in LA, as I mentioned, when I first moved there back in November of 2016. Wow, that was four years ago already. Yeah. I was speaking, uh, yeah, on consciousness, spirituality, awakening, and how that interfaces with technology. And I did a mindfulness meditation. And actually, we did a chant. I remember connecting to the heart. It was interesting, too, because I had done one of his first conferences and spoke on the awakening and how that's happening in different aspects of our systems in life and the use of technology. And basically where spirituality and technology meet and had spoke also on meditation. And I think I was the only person that spoke on that. In fact, I'm sure I was. And then in 2016, there were four or five, I think four. And then the person before me, that's why I ended up doing, I've got to do something else now because he's speaking on mindfulness and meditation. So I thought, well, let's jump in and have people experience higher consciousness. Yeah, which is all what I'm about anyway, is experiencing it. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who don't know who we're referencing, Jeff Pulver, he's the host of this conference. He's a technology pioneer. And I interviewed him in my very first episode on this podcast. If you want to go all the way back to episode one, you can hear my interview with Jeff Pulver. He's just been such an incredible mentor and friend to me over the years, and he's introduced me to people like you, Michelle. So since that moment in LA, years ago, we've stayed in touch because we both nerd out over consciousness. And I love our conversations. And at the end of our calls, I'm always like, wow, more people could benefit from hearing us talk. So I figured it'd be good to bring you on the show and share some practical tools and empowering ways to deal with what's going on right now in this point in history and getting a bit of a metaphysical perspective. (laughs) So yeah, I'd love for you to kind of share your background a bit and how you kind of came into where you are today. 
Well, I was born uh, a psychic, what we call a natural psychic, so always intuitive and not just intuitive, actually psychic. So I had a earlier, I guess since probably age 13 or 14, a, an interest in metaphysics. And back then we didn't have Google, so I had to go to the library and look things up. <laughs> and that was really my journey, um, meditating and yoga at a younger age. So that kind of informed, I always had this connection to something more, whether you want to say God or the all that is. I could feel that presence or energy. I could feel certain things about people as being an empath. So that informed a lot of my interests and actually later on decisions. Later on, I got, I got taught school. I have a background in English, English lit. So I have that interest as well. But then somewhere in my, I started veering off into just more questing. I think that happens when you come in this way. You just know there's something more happening. There's something underneath the surface. And for me or people like me, you can not only feel it, you can see it, whether it's spirits, seeing spirits. And interesting enough, my parents, especially my mom, I later realized she had this after she passed on, that she had this interest. And when she was in her process of crossing over, which was many, took many years kind of back and forth, she was very open. So we'd have these great discussions about the other side or connecting with my grandmother or grandfather or her parents. And so it's a little bit in my family, you know, one of my nieces has the gift and also one of my nephews as well. Mm. Then along the way, after college and teaching, student teaching, and then teaching school, I worked at a private school that had a lot of people that were, were their students were in the, their parents were in the TV and film industry. And I kind of funded the, some of the teachers that worked there, their spouses were. So that kind of veered me into commercials and modeling. And I thought oh, that's, it was fun. So I got into that and that afforded me a nice lifestyle to be able to take time off to study, to travel, to do what I wanted to do. Mm. And that's where I feel like my first awakening, I have many awakenings, but I feel like that really got me into the focus of deeper healing and studying all kinds of things having to do with mind-body connection, holistic health, healing, metaphysics, spirituality, divination. I mean, I just jumped in. And mm -hmm. around that time, I was one of my first trips to India. So I got into, you know, Hinduism, yoga, I was, you know, I was food combining and vegan and, you know, just raw foods and just really, and I think when you're more consciously on a path, when you start opening up, it affects so many parts of your life. Mm -hmm. I look at kind of it as a five pointed star that you've got the spiritual aspect that we are, which is the part of us that goes on the eternal aspect of us. And anybody that's ever seen somebody cross over, you see this. I'm also a bereavement counselor and trained initiated shaman. So I've seen this a lot when people cross over, there's literally a couple breaths and you can see if you're attuned, you can see the essence mm -hmm. leaving, but it's all through the breath. Wow. So that got me. And then I, at one point in my career, I actually had a TV show, a talk show based on fashion and health, wellness, fitness and also was modeling. And I actually got, not, along with other models, we got put on this do not use list. What? Yeah, they do that well because we were used too much. Oh, wow. Use, what a word. What a word to, <laughs> to 
to use. Yeah, well, you get used to that. I mean, I kind of, you, you have this persona, this image that's marketable and it's different from you, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I remember saying to my agent, what, what is this about? So my, right at this time, but I know that it was like spiritually guided because so much is, there is a, always a mind, body and spiritual component to everything that happens in our life and in the world. And at that time, right when this was happening, I started opening up to, I had these guides appear, as as far-fetched as it seems, you could see them kind of these shadowy beings that would give me information. They would literally relay information to me or tell me, oh, you're going to meet this person and they're going to want to know this and this and this and tell them this, or you're going to help them this way. Mm-hmm. And mind you, when I was modeling, I was still doing, I had started doing healing work, Reiki, energy healing. I had started doing readings. Some of it, a lot of it was just kind of for the, the fun of it. And then at this huge turning point, I started reading for people all over the world. People just, how, somehow they got my phone number and they would just call me, or I would be, let's say in a class, a workshop. And I would get information on somebody in, there. And then I would, between 3 and 5 a.m., I would just be downloading all this information and then I would give it to them. Mm, wow. Yeah, it was an amazing few years. It was just like this being in this surreal zone. And when I started, I didn't even charge. I didn't start charging for my services until this woman out in Newport Beach said, you're really good at this. What do I owe you? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> and so she told me, you know, you should charge. And she gave me like, you should charge this amount. And then I thought, wow, maybe I'm going to do this also. Mm -hmm. And what really kicked it into high gears, I took an astrology course because I'm also in astrology and numerology trained. You just do a little bit of everything, don't you? (laughs) There's nothing you don't do. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing this a lot, but I also started on this path when it was a requirement, I mean, I trained in massage therapy, anatomy and physiology, you know, it was holistic health, it was healing, it was esotericism. But you now people are a little bit not as well trained, or, you know, they just stick with one thing. And I think it's also for people with interests. I mean, why is there the actor that also is the director and the singer, and maybe they paint, mm-hmm. and they, you know, sail a boat, you know, they're into sailing or whatever. Right. So it's it's really all these tools or modalities I weave in in various ways for my own personal life and then to help my clients. So I have a lot in my toolkit. Yeah. But what happened anyway, I was in this workshop. I went home and bing, 3 a.m. I start getting all this information, writing it down, writing it down. And my guides are literally telling me, you have to call her and give her this information. It's timely. Mm. And I'm like, in my head, I'm saying, I'm not doing that because she is going to think I am a nut. I am not. There's no way. So I kind of had this inner battle within myself and these energies that were present. It's very real that we have guides or spirits without bodies on the other side, the angelic realm. All that is very real. Mm-hmm. So I called her Jan Messenger, uh, which is kind of a, a apropos last name. Oh, that's so funny. Her last name's Messenger. <laughs> right? And she actually said, oh, Michelle from class. And I said, yes. And I said, now, first of all, I just want to tell you, I'm very grounded, practical. Gave her my background. I said, but I happen to have this gift. And I work with these guides. They give me information or I tune into spirit and I just receive information psychically. But these guides tend to send me people. And she said, okay. 
And I told her everything. It had to do with some legal things, some highly confidential things. And she was blown away. She said, first of all, I want to tell you even because she owned a metaphysical bookstore. And they had workshops. Mm-hmm. She, like any old time astrologer, they really believe in the science of astrology is based on math. So yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. She said, I really don't believe in psychics or channelers, but all the information you've given me is so confidential and private. There's no way you could have known. Plus I'd only met her. I didn't know her beforehand or know anyone that knew her. Wow. And she said it's timely because she was also involved in some legal case. So some of the information was very timely. And then she said, and the other thing is, she said, I was just about to leave. I think she said for a month or two months, she was going out of town and you wouldn't have been able to reach me. And she said, I'd been praying for this information. I've been praying for some clarity. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things most of the people, if not 99% of the people that I worked with and still do, they either had an intense wanting desire to know something, or they had been praying for something. Or when I relayed the information, they said, Oh my God, I've been needing to know this. or I've been praying for this. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to jump into that in a way also, because a lot of people say, oh my God, Michelle, you're so gifted. And yes, it is a gift. And then you have to hone it. And that's why I've studied for so many years in various forms and worked a lot on myself because emotions can make things less accurate and blind what we see or feel or pick up. But it's also we're not only receivers, but we're broadcasters. Totally. Yeah. Right. So I would say that the reason a lot of times you get a message or you get a confirmation, whether it's somebody that has the gift or abilities that I have or something you happen to read and you're just astute enough to observe and catch it or a book, a TV show, whatever, Netflix film, whatever, it's because you're broadcasting that signal, sonar, if you will, you're putting that out there that I need to know this or I want this. And then it comes back. It's being back to you. So our universe, our world is basically about 80% echo. There, there's some randomness in the universe. And of course, physics and quantum physics talks about this, right? So yeah, I think a little bit back to what you were saying previously, you mentioned that you took time off to study. And I think that we're in this giant reset right now. And so many people finally have time to feel into things that they may have been intuitively like passing by, you know, right in things that are right in front of their faces, people are actually finally able to listen to their bodies and listen to their intuition now more clearly than ever. So I think that the time off to study is so important for everyone right now to really be more open and aware to what's really going down and going on, whether that's like just even within your own body and your own mind and your own soul. Because I know that was the key for me during my awakening process, if I didn't have all this time to research and read books and to, you know, just totally just satiate my curiosity, I would not be the same person I am today. I would still, I don't know where I'd be, but I'm just so grateful that I've had the chance to reset over the years and to take lots of time to process and integrate and learn and just follow my curiosities everywhere that they go. So listeners that might be hearing this might 
also be wanting to know how to make sense of this right now. And were these broadcast channels, were these frequencies? But like, how do you kind of step away from the quote unquote game? I'll just call it the game of life, you know, the monkey minds that run around and stuff and really kind of step back and tune into our truth, tune into our souls, tune into our intuition. Is there a way or a rhyme or a reason that people are like resetting right now? I know this is a very loaded question, but I guess I'll just leave it there and see where we go with this. I think it's a great question. And I think it's very answerable from a spiritual, esoteric, metaphysical point of view. Meta being, of course, beyond the physical, but includes the physical. First of all, I would say for people to ground yourself in everyday things your likes, things that bring you joy or make reassure you. And that could also be connecting to other people, podcasts like this, phone, text, whatever, Skype. There's so many ways, WhatsApp, so many ways to catch up uh, or be connected in a meaningful way, um, social media. Mm -hmm. Which by the way, I mean, I think if we pause and see how in a way perfect everything is, that we have a lot of what we need. Now, this is not to minimize or diminish what people are going through or the gravity of illness, death, dying, that process, you know, and love, harm potentially coming to us and or to friends, family, loved ones, or just humanity at large. But I also say, if we look back at history, there's always these cyclical turning points that happen. And then out of that, there is some kind of redirection of energy. There's some kind of renaissance. There's some kind of new awareness, new consciousness, new prioritizing or reprioritizing. There's some shift in the system and in the structure. And so we're going through that. So I would say, handle what you can by thinking, by analyzing, by perhaps listening to or wherever you're getting your information or what's important to you. And then bring something positive or reassuring in. Bring something that brings some kind of peace and calm or normalcy while we're in this not so normal time, right? Mm-hmm. To have a curiosity, like what else could this be? Explore a bit, research a bit. And I don't mean like doom and gloom things and conspiracy theory things because even if, I mean, what gets us always out of these cycles is the individuals, is the creativity, is the creative problem solving, which is the soul. Yeah. And it's more than just the intellectual process of understanding it. It's the soul level. So it's kind of tapping into that higher frequency through your soul, not through your mind, right? Exactly. And I, um, it's very interesting because I have some clients and then also one of my assistants is involved. She used to be a stockbroker and had a company trading and managing portfolios for companies. It's very interesting that a lot of the trends that I see or that a lot of the things that I'll pick up on, you can hear it in another language, whether it's through stock, stock market, economics, people that are also looking at societal trends or where are we going in the realm of the economy or, and if you think of that word, it's, it has to do with energy, you know, managing energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So look for those signs. You know, there's a car that's a Kia soul. There's books now, soul of the nation, soul of politics, the soul of business, spiritual entrepreneur. More people are meditating, doing breath work and mindfulness. It's now in schools, yoga as well. 
So we do have the signs of where we are going as a collective. It's just that our systems, our structure, and the mainstream consciousness and systems that we interface with and that support us in the world, in our everyday living, haven't supported, aren't supporting where many people are at and where they're going, the meaningfulness. And you mentioned it. People don't want to be on this hamster wheel, you know, rat race, for lack of a better word, using that term, but over-consuming. Go, 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 go. Where are we going? What are we doing? Where's the meaningfulness? Where's the connection? And a lot of people have been pulling out of that, you know, simplifying, tiny homes, living differently, living with multiple people, not spending as much, not because they don't have the funds or the money or the discretionary income because they choose not to. Mm -hmm. Right. So I say that moving from consumerism to creativism. Absolutely. And then when you realize that you don't need to run your monkey mind to create, it's actually the opposite of it. You can sit in the solitude of your home and create amazing art. You don't have to get in a car and drive to an office every day. You know, just the idea that you were expected to work nine to 12 hours straight and, you know, be in an office setting all day with like performance over humanness is just totally the most inhumane way to live. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, the world is now more ready for the soul levels of our teachings and our inquiries now than ever before for that very reason, because the old paradigm is not sustainable. And this is the great change that's necessary. And we can envision, you know, a new set of possibilities, one where we use simplicity and our own resources and really fine tuning the simplicity and the integrity of our inner wisdom. Yeah. And I would say, you know, having, I used to do quite a bit of work with corporations with de-stressing and using meditation or having them reframe how they're working and even though I remember back in the day, you know, them taking pauses from their computer. And I would get a lot of the employees saying, oh, then if my supervisor and boss comes by, they'll think I'm not working. They'll think I'm slacking. And I said, you're allowed to take a break every hour. You don't have to keep constantly typing on the keyboard, you know, at your computer, at your desk, you can stretch. And interesting enough, a lot of research since then has come out that people are more productive four to six hours or less. Some studies say four to six hours, some say four hours. And that working from home or working remotely, most people do get more done because it's not, for one thing, it's not quantifiable by the hours. It's by most people naturally work in spurts. You get a lot done and then your body mind naturally wants to take a break. Well, it's hard to do that when you're sitting in an office. That's why a lot of people are on social media at the office. So they look like they're working because they need to take a break. You know, our mind, our surface mind, the brain and only local brain can only handle seven point bits of information, 7.6 or eight, like an old hard drive, old flash drive. But our infinite mind, where our creativity, our insights, our intuition, our the innovations and inventions come from is infinite. You know, it's like a parallel processor. Mm-hmm. And we can look at this Einstein, which I would love. That's why a lot of times I call this Einstein thinking, because Yes, now there's so much research backing this up, but you know, you do need to do whatever the due diligence, the to do, the task to set things up, more the working from the left brain or left hemisphere of the brain. Mm-hmm. 
which is what he would do. He'd do his equations, write things out, and then go take a nap or meditate. Yeah. Or stare at the moon, right? Or gaze at the moon. Einstein had it so right. He had it so right back in the day. (laughs) Well, and we know this. Carl Jung, there's so many proponents of this because the answers and everyone listening, we all know this, they come in the void, in the space. I mean, I would say it's either at a holy instant or the 11th hour. So we either get our flash of insight or the creative problem solving, the solution comes through like, oh, I didn't think of that. Or we think and think and think, and then we finally let it go. And then we're doing something else and boom, or we talk to someone and then there's the answer. It comes through. Totally. Or like when we're in the shower or, you know, after a really good night. Yeah, shower, washing your hands, hiking, the space. And I think that this is a great reset. Not that this is happening to us punitively. It's not Mother Earth is angry at us. It's consequent. It's a converging flow of a lot of different things, which is what our higher mind or spirit uses, the innate intelligence of the universe, which we're part of that collective, uses. Because everything that happens in the universe, on the earth, happens for pro-survival, that which is life-enhancing, whether it's a mutation whether it's an evolutionary process, if we look at the biology of life itself, you know, plants, people, these various things are mutations that happen, even if there's loss and scarcity in the middle of it, it makes the species, whatever it is, stronger. It makes the life or life form stronger. Mm -hmm. And so I feel we're in that quantum leap now that you said we couldn't go any farther. And it's true. We were so far into separatism, so far into an over-identification and use of the beautiful, all parts of us are beautiful, left side of the brain, you know, the masculine. Now we're rebalancing on many levels. Mm -hmm. And you can also look at it, you know, if we go back to the economy, because everything is symbiotic, we came out of this industrial revolution, automating things. Then knowledge, the idea that knowledge is everything. So we had all these patents. Now we're in the creative economy, and it's also the creative collaborative economy. We have open source. We have multiple people creating, self-expressing this podcast, other means. There's ways to put things out there. There's so many platforms, whether it's something online platform or even still in-person things. So the game has really shifted. It's just, again, our systems and the people that are managing and reinforcing those systems Some of them were kind of clinging to the past. Some of them, I feel like, in a way, how would they disrupt everything? It's very hard to write cognitively. If this hadn't happened, it probably would have been near impossible. It's nearly impossible because people are programmed to do what their bosses tell them and what their bosses' bosses tell them. And it's just a top-down infrastructure that breeds off of fear. And it breeds off of, if I don't do this, then I'm going to lose my job. If I lose my job, this will happen. So now... We're in a collective reset where it doesn't matter where you do your work or how you do your work. It just matters that you're showing up in a way that's aligned and it's less about performance and more about just being human and everyone is understanding and that we're all in this disruptive time together and people can see through the dog and pony shows now more than ever. And, you know, I've worked in a lot of different corporate settings as a consultant and then just a really quick stint as an employee. And I just blew my mind how many people didn't see, like they could feel it and I could tell that they could feel that something was off, but they just kept like abiding by the program. It was like some like law or overlord was like guiding them to make these decisions. And 
when I'd question some of them and say, like, when do you do your best work? Is it, you know, like 10 at night to midnight or something? And everyone has to work in these office jobs, slaving away at like the same time, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., whatever it may be. It doesn't work for everyone. So I think the more in tune we can become to how we are naturally more creative, the more we can then give back to the world and we can continue with this new collaboration of just being creative from wherever the hell we are in the world, not having to deal with an office or one location. It's a global consciousness that's arising now and that unity consciousness can get activated even more so when we're tapped in and we're aligned and we're living from our hearts. Every time I hit publish on a new episode of my podcast, I'm filled with such immense gratitude for the ability to co-create at this time in history. Those on this shared path of co-creation are ushering in a new consciousness on this planet. It's a new state of being with a capital B versus the old paradigm of doing. Many of us humans need a manual on how to simply exist. Podcasting is one way to broadcast our light. It's a way to activate our human potential and bring in business. My team and I have created results for our clients like a six-figure deal with Spotify within one year of launch, getting ranked as an Apple new and notable, deals with iHeartRadio and Himalaya, Stitcher has even promoted our podcasts to climb the charts. We're creating success for podcast hosts from all over the world while working smarter, not harder. If you're looking to take the mystery out of podcasting and want to start or scale your podcast into a globally recognized media empire, go to go.artofhumanity.io slash masterclass to learn more about my profitable podcast masterclass. Again, that's go.artofhumanity.io slash masterclass. Now back to the interview. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, I have a call-in podcast, radio show and podcast, Awakenings with Michelle Mache. And I have gotten over the years, a lot of people that want to get out of that working that way, but what they say, I can't. That's how my office works or that's how the company is. And it honestly was soul crushing for so many people. They're looking for another way that the system doesn't allow it. And then there are those, okay, I just have to do it this way because although I need the job, I need the money, whatever income level or income strata, it doesn't matter. So I feel like a lot of people individually want this, want to live and work differently. And I think that's a big part of what this reset is, a rebalancing and a reprioritizing to what do we really value? It brings in so many levels, home care, children, students, women working or going back to work, men working, going back to work, paternity, maternity. I mean, there's so many aspects. Let's look at it this way. I just had this flash because we do this even individually. We set up structures and they work. Maybe they're not working so well, but we don't know how to get out of it. I need this much, so I have to stay here a little longer. And then something comes up, then I can't leave. So these structures in place. And that's why I do feel things are cyclical. And as an astrologer, you can see it. We're living through a cycle, I believe would be around the 16 or 1800s, 1885. You can even go back to like this. I think the stock market was around that time. Mm -hmm. So we're doing these developed that turn of the century. There's a lot of similarities as to what's going on now. And I remind people, the difference is also that we have this technology. We are more individually set up. There is a lot more in place technologically, medically, environmentally, on a level of how individual resources. But there is always that creative spurt. 
you know, I love Malcolm Gladwell. What is that critical mass, that turning point? Mm-hmm, yeah. The 10,000 hours? Well, the 10,000 hours, but also he talks about the critical mass. And we don't know what is it that turns the corner. What turned the corner from the typewriter to the keyboard, the QWERTY key? And then what turned it from Trio to BlackBerry and Motorola was in there and now Apple, Android, Samsung? There's something that happens. And I think what people have to realize, because a lot of people are asking what happens next. Well, what happens next is what we all (laughs) co-create. Yes, totally. I'm feeling that so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lovely little BlackBerry. Maybe it's still around, but people chose the iPhone and now the Samsung or with the Android, I guess the iOS and then the Android operating. Yeah. Douglas Rushkoff, who I interviewed in one of my episodes, I forget which episode that was, but he has a book out, Program or Be Programmed. So it's like, if we're looking for an external savior, something outside of ourselves to save us, we're going to be the ones being programmed. The way to solve that is to program ourselves, to tap deeply into our souls and to create from that place. Because the other option does not sound so great. Well, by the way, and again, we're going to look at trends. And as astrologers, we do that. You look a lot at history. You see what are the cycles, 10-year cycle, 50, 100. We're in like 100-year, 200-year cycles, 500-year The difference this time without diving deep into astrology is what reflected in the aspects is self-accountability. That is the Aquarian age. Mm -hmm. So this new paradigm, this new consciousness, the new emerging consciousness that's creating this new paradigm has a lot of the we. And again, I'm going to say this again to everyone, just kind of be open-minded, but then look for the signs to this. It's more the mayors and the governments that are having to step up. It's the individuals. It's the individual companies. And it usually is that way when we have these huge crises. It's about community. Exactly. Yeah, the community is all coming together now. Mm -hmm. People are coming together more than ever. Mm -hmm. And crises meaning in Latin means turning point. And when you look through history, it was always the individuals, the individual people, the individual communities. Usually the people that we don't count on or suspect jump in. You know, I'm trying to think of what was like back in the Rosie the Riveter or back in the 30s or whenever the war. Mm-hmm. And they had the women, the women, because the guys were at the war and the women kept the economy coming. And before that, they didn't work. Right. And what happened after that? A shift in consciousness. Women said, oh, I don't want to just go back and do my nails, family, and be ladies at lunch. They now were in the workforce. The men came back, but their consciousness had shifted. And the women said, oh, you know what? We kind of like getting out of the house and working. Some of us don't want to just be wives and mothers. We, we have other aspects of us. So there'll be something procreative, life enhancing. There will be something creative out of this from all of us. Whatever we're doing, we are creating those not only individual, but collective new neural pathways. Totally right? We have our own individual nervous system and brain, but there is the collective, the creative unconscious. We are shifting that. We're morphing that now. Yeah, exactly. And from a technology perspective, some people could see this as like the biometrics that are getting created that have already been here for a while. But I think when we don't wield our power to technology and we're first more attuned to our souls, I think we can really go a lot further. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I know that there are a lot of transhumanists out there that believe in technology that it'll save us, but I'm on team human. And I think that we have to really think before we program ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to make sure we know where we're heading instead of just going through the robotic motions 
of this is going to be better and it may not. I mean, technology doesn't necessarily make it better. It makes it more efficient. But now that we have all this time, we realize like, is efficiency really sustainable? We need more nurturing of our souls and we need more time to connect and to really go back to the olden times of just living simply, connecting with friends and family, reading books, listening to podcasts, really nurturing every part of our creative selves. Yeah. I always say it goes back to consciousness. And yes, what is those people that feel there's going to be this interfacing or taking over of AI? And I always say no, because consciousness is always ahead. Mm. The consciousness, we're all consciousness made manifest, same as the phone, the computer, the laptop, whatever, the car, whatever thought of that idea, that creative unconscious, the innate intelligence within everything and everyone, all of nature that causes these shifts, the creator cells that were, are within us and the earth is always ahead of the technology. It's always been that way. You can track it. It's conscious because that's like saying that whatever I invent is going to take over. Well, we need to start putting our energy and focus into what invents the observer, what creates, what is in us that has the capacity to invent and innovate, to have the creative solution. The creative solution is great, but there's a lot of those and they'll come and go. The laptop, the iPad, whatever, the notebook or whatever social platform. And I think, Jessica, the big thing is, because I love, 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 love technology. I think it is just amazing. However, it's intention. It's how we use something. And I think it was used a lot because we had such a wounded society for codependency and a distraction. But when I come together in a meaningful conversation or whatever I'm posting on my Instagram is something real and true, which is having to happen now. It's not just, hey, look at me, let me have some likes or let me put on this facade. And I'm not really judging that because I feel that's an infancy. I feel like the mirroring and social media aspect of people posting, I actually think is a really good sign Because it used to be people posted pictures of icons and movie stars and basketball stars, and it was something outside themselves. But we're in infancy in connecting to the soul. So people are still connecting through the lens of their woundedness, through only the ego persona. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you said earlier, pausing and going, hey, there's this cool thing, but what do I want to say? But we're still at the infancy. Not everybody's connecting yet to their soul. It's trying to. And then you'll get those meaningful connections and posts. Yes, of course, you have to do the marketing, your work, your business. That's all in there. But the balance will be different. The emphasis is different. And I think that's something that's really going to change with social media. And I can see other platforms and companies kind of recognizing that and kind of starting already, jump through some hoops to actualize this, is people are going to want to use it differently or create their own. The next wave of what the platform is, that it's not about big bums and eyebrows and how fleek you look. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think slowly people are starting to wake up to seeing how materialism and consumerism and all of those beauty standards of yesterday are just so exhausting to maintain. And I think as a lot of us are going into quarantine now, like, you know, I took my nails off, All these things that we did to kind of be seen as perfect and beautiful make us less human in a way. So I feel like having to withdraw and really cut to the core of who we are during this reset time 
is just so powerful for a lot of people. It can be very powerful and it can be very scary and terrifying for a lot of people out there, I think, because of people who have not necessarily done a lot of what some people refer to as shadow work, really examining their psyches. So a lot of people might be seeing their shadows during this time. And it's scary for some people and others who have been doing this work are more okay with it because they have sat in the darkness with themselves and saw their shadows, what makes them good, what makes them evil. Everything kind of comes up during this time. And I think there's so much to be said about the beauty of this void that we're experiencing right now. Absolutely. And again, I'm going to go back to consciousness because Someone, let's say, that's very, let's say, made up, whether you want to say guy or girl, whatever, can sometimes be more conscious that somebody that wears no makeup and is wearing white and doing yoga all the time. It's our attachment to the identification of what we think it means about us. So when we move more into soul-centered living, it's more about preference. But if I have something or don't have something, it doesn't mean that I'm less than or not good enough or not aware enough. Again, I feel like there's this rebalancing that is taking place where people can examine their motives and motivations because they still may like it. Because we're going as a soul beings, we're going to have likes and preference. I mean, I like my hair a certain way. I like certain clothes. I like a certain amount of money in my savings or bank or investments or a certain kind of car. But the shift is if I have that or don't have that shouldn't determine how I think and feel about myself or how I'm perceived. And I think that is the shakeup so that we're using these things as fun ways of being or expressing. It's part of our expression, but it's not who we are. It's not our essence. It's something that we're choosing for a time frame because we happen to like it, but it doesn't mean anything. And that's, I think, part of the issue or problem of the old paradigm and a lot of what was societal based was on the outer only the perceived ego, which the persona held a lot of the wounding, a lot of not good enough. And a lot of marketing was based, you're not good enough unless you have this. And if you think you're worth it, then you buy this. This level of the awakening, what eventually will happen, there's been, there's waves that we're in what's called the root awakening right now. We were in the converging flow in about 2005, 1987, around the harmonic convergence. This is what's called started the unity or unification process. So getting out of the extremes of the polarity plane of duality, of separation. Totally. Mm -hmm. And also of our shadow. Yeah. So also looking at that our shadow, yes, it can be our wounding, what we need to heal deeper, but also many times for many people within the shadow is our gifts. It's not what we're yet aware of. And perhaps, Jessica, in this pause, people can, instead of looking outside to those they watch or listen to or out there their stars, their icons, they can look within and start seeing that within themselves. Well, I have this gift too. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, that's so important, I think, for people to hear because in a world that validates everyone based on how many likes they got on Instagram or how beautiful you can appear, I think our souls know the truth. And when we tap into that, I think that's where the real power lies. And I use the word power because one of my favorite books is Power Verse Force, written by David Hawkins, who you interviewed on your podcast a while ago before he passed away. I did. I loved him. Oh, he's an amazing being. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just so in awe that you had the chance to interview him before he passed away in 2012. But he has this amazing book, one of my favorites ever, called Power Verse Force. And I think what it shows, the gist of the book really is when we use our own innate power without external force, 
that's when we tap into the higher oneness, the unity consciousness. And it all goes back to that. And that's a beautiful place to live and to create from. And imagine how much it feels better, safer. It is a truth. There is this unity and we all connect into this innate intelligence. And the soul is about awakening up to that. This whole spiritual soul awakening is about awakening to our own gifts that we have something too. And that's most people have just been replicating other people and other things from the outside. Mm -hmm. And so I feel this is a great time of invention and innovation. And maybe it's kind of like, okay, well, this is the way I see it, or I do it, or this is, you know, I'm going to tweak this a little bit. I'm going to do this. And I'd love what you say about power, because I do feel this true power is empowerment. And I think as people take back their power in this pause, in this reset, this pause point to say, well, you know, I always really wanted to do this anyway, or I wanted to try this, or I had this idea, or I want to collaborate with this person, might as well do it now, might as well try this, or I always had this gift. You know, I watch this person wherever on TV or whatever, listen to them on podcast or Netflix, Amazon, wherever people are digesting or on social media, they're following someone. Mm -hmm. Then if you're following someone and you're really connecting to what they're doing, how can you do some of that yourself? Totally. That's getting out of the mind. I think it's a natural progression as we wake up. Once we see that there are other people talking about what we're interested in, we want to kind of latch on to what they're doing or read books about it. But then I think there's an eternal truth that is transcendent from all of that, that once you've kind of done all the intellectual stuff and you've read all the books and you've consumed all the content, you can transcend that and really just live truthfully from an integrated place of deep, deep wisdom. And wisdom is applied knowledge. So I think you have to go through that knowledge period first to then apply it, and then it becomes wisdom. And once we're in the wisdom phase, then that's how podcasts get made like this, and you have your podcast, and we need more people in the world having their own podcasts and living their truth and sharing their stories so that other people who may not be as far along on the path can tune into these podcasts. And we're all leaving little breadcrumbs along the way for others who are waking up at different points in the process. And minimally, just speak your truth. Just speak up. I say that a lot in my workshops. I always open it up for people or like my Facebook, the Awakenings page. I'm always putting on their posts, clients or people that follow me or then work with me. I'm like, why don't you post this? They'll say, and I'm like, oh, I post it. You have something to say. You did this amazing painting yeah, or you wrote this amazing, post it. And gosh, Jessica, this is the background. Most people have trained to only be the watcher of other people and what they're doing. That's great. We're all watchers. We go to the play, we go to the movie, we watch, we clap, give the exchange for it. So there's those that listen to those that are speaking. But now it's time for more people to basically put their two cents in, to speak up, mm -hmm. to share their gifts more. Yeah. That's what the soul is really screaming, you know, like you can do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's really prescient time now to talk about this because I think we're all kind of at home and we can either tune into the fear and the quote unquote information that's out there and really knowing what's true and what's false and feeling like the need to be in control of it. And it's natural to want to know that. It's natural to want to know more information. But I think if anyone listening at home wants to kind of test this out, just go beyond all the news and the, the media and just know that there's something deeper and more transcendent that's beyond all of that that's within you. And you don't need to know every second of what's going on in the world. 
as long as you're keeping a high frequency and you're being good to your body, your mind, your soul, you're feeling connected and grateful. These are all high vibe frequencies that actually create your reality. And I think when we can all do our parts, I think we'll lift the humanity above the fear. And this isn't some hippie hype, but it really works for me personally. Yeah. In fact, the research shows that positive thoughts are actually stronger. The only reason people get into the negativity, go down the vortex or the rabbit hole, is because there's so many of them. It's kind of like the medium range of the, right now anyway, where people meet is somewhere between fear and apathy, and maybe sometimes bumps up to anger. Mm -hmm. So getting into spirit of play, creativity is very high vibration. Watch children play, how high vibrational that is. You know, meditation. Watch dogs. (laughs) Watch doggies play. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Doggies. So yeah, I think maybe you want to write about it or how do you want to express what you're going through? Totally. Chronicleize it, journal it, chronicleize it, put it in some expression because everyone has a lot to say. And I love what you said, Jessica, because there is a deeper meaning. There's more, we'll see what it is on the other side of this, of where we're going, what's happening, what we're all Mm co-creating. And I said, again, a little bit, yeah, people are fearful. You check the news, but use your own wisdom to know you've had enough. If you're getting fearful, you're getting anxious, you're getting panicky, that's kind of like having too much sugar. You've had enough. Now you need some protein or veggies. So be your own manager of your own energy pattern, of your own state of being, your own health and wellness that be honest. Okay, I've had enough. Now I need to focus on something life enhancing or something positive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think if people do that and manage, we'll be okay, they'll be okay. And there's a deeper meaning of what's right for them right now, what's important, the values, what they really value will start coming through. They'll start getting those messages from their soul, through their intuition, through their body wisdom of what the next steps are for them, their family, their business, whatever, whatever's important for them in their life. Their answers are going to come from within once they balance things out. Totally. Yeah. So important. You have such important wisdom to share and you're just wise beyond this earth plane. (laughs) So I'm in it too. I'm learning as well. Sharing, but learning. Yeah. We're all in this together. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and your work, Michelle? Oh, probably the best. Well, to soulplayground.life. I also have a YouTube channel, Soul Insights with Michelle Mache, and then the podcast, Awakenings with Michelle Mache on Spotify, Stitcher, and all platforms. And then I'm on the socials as well, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. So keep connected. I'd love to hear how people are doing, what they thought of our sharing, our talk today, Jessica, and just hopefully I've inspired people to maybe look at this a little bit differently, just maybe open a little window of exploration and possibility and creative solutions. Definitely. I know you have inspired me tremendously. So thank you so much for joining me on the show. You made it to the end of this podcast. This means the world to me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Feel free to hop on over to my podcast website, artofhumanity.io, for show notes or past interviews. You can also message me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Ann, and my handle is beingishuman. That's B-E-I-N-G-I-S-H-U-M-A-N. I'd love to hear from you and learn more about what you've enjoyed from this episode. If you really love this podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts right now and left a review. It helps way more than you know. You can also share this episode with two of your friends who you think would enjoy it. 
let's get the art of humanity movement going. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, evolve your business with the art of humanity. Listen, explore, evolve.